Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week and another game to get ready for, and this one is a big one as Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 70. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with no guests this week. And why? Because I'm taking nothing but questions from you. I solicited for questions on Twitter earlier this morning, and now I've got your answers. We're going to cover this roster from top to bottom. So I'm really excited to get the discussion going with you as we prepare for Saturday's game against the Colts. This week on Two Technique, I chat with rookie linebacker Quentin Gauls about being the playside linebacker against a stretch run play. Between the Cowboys and the Redskins, the Eagles will see plenty of outside zone or that stretch play throughout the season. So Quentin and I talk about how to properly defend that play as a linebacker. Then we wrap it all up with a scouting report where this week, I want to talk about a player that's been a bit of a hot topic over the last few weeks, wide receiver Josh Huff. We've got a ton to get into, so let's not waste any time. Let's jump into all of your questions to get this show started right now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, so this week for Chalk Talk, no guests. I want to go with something a little different. Obviously, it's a big week. The Eagles getting ready for what everyone likes to call their dress rehearsal game, the third game of the preseason against the Indianapolis Colts. We'll get to see these starters hopefully around the entire first half uh, on Saturday night against Indianapolis. So really excited about that, but I thought it was a good opportunity. Let's get all the questions from everybody out there. Let's pull them all in and just kind of go rapid fire. So with me to kind of help shepherd this segment, Ben Fennell is going to be doing a great job all year round uh, for us, doing a lot of the X's and O's stuff behind the scenes, both on the Eagles preseason broadcast on Eagles game plan, doing some stuff for Eagle Line the Sky, everything X and O. So, Ben, welcome for the first time to the Eagle Line the Sky podcast. Thanks for having me on, Fran. It's good to be here. And we got some great questions. Looking forward to the season here. All sorts of different directions, scheme, personnel, yes. roster moves. Lots of ways we can go and look at it. And they're doing a good job of sending in good questions. And we're kind of rattling them off here as they come in. But let's go kind of theme by theme. I know we've kind of grouped these up in offense and defense. Let's get to the first question. First one, we're starting on the offensive side of the ball, and this comes from at Dino Bolts. Not really a roster question, but is Frank Reich going to call any plays at all? If not, why even have an offensive coordinator? All right, so Dino, good question. Now, here's the thing. If you go back to a few podcasts ago, I want to say it was the 4th of July week, so we're talking about a month and a half ago. I had Travis Manger on, one of my good friends, and he talked about the role of an offensive coaching staff and really what the defensive coaching staff does as well on that side of the football, what they do throughout the week and how it's not just about calling plays, but obviously, look, you need a coordinator to help come up with what your offensive philosophy is. He's going to bring all the different expertises that he's got from all of his years in coaching and playing the playing uh, quarterback of attacking opposing defenses, how to counteract what defenses are trying to do from a coverage standpoint, game planning for opponents. So just because he's not calling the plays from the booth, Frank Reich still has a huge, huge responsibility on this team, working hand-in-hand with Doug Peterson on a weekly basis to really kind of pull the reins of this offense and kind of shepherd it along. So really excited about Frank Reich, and I've talked about that both on this podcast as well on the Eagle Eye in the Sky column you can find on PhiladelphiaEagles.com as well. Uh, really excited about Frank Reich and what he's going to bring to this Eagles offense this fall. Yeah, I think the outside perspective of fans is when you have a defensive head coach with a defensive coordinator, they think it's a power struggle. 
you know, who's who's really in charge, who's really calling the plays, who's the head guy. But, you know, everybody has a role on the coaching staff. Everybody has a purpose. And Yeah, exactly right. I, I think that what you're going to see is Frank Reich, his expertise will come through and how to game plan for opponents in the best ways that Doug Peterson can leverage all the personnel and leverage all these. Because remember, a game plan is put together throughout the entire week. It's not like they show up with the same play sheet each and every week. Frank Reich will have a lot to, to do with what goes on to that play sheet each and every week. All right, next question here from Ryan Booher. How has Byron Marshall looked thus far? Marshall's been intriguing. And, you know, obviously, look, he's, he's fighting an uphill battle on this roster. When you look at some of the bodies ahead of him, obviously you have Ryan Matthews, Darren Sproles. They draft Wendell Smallwood, who played a similar role during his time with West Virginia in terms of one of those out-of-the-backfield options in their passing game. You have Kenyon Barner, who's had a strong camp and a strong summer. I think that Marshall has looked pretty good, and we're going to see how he's going to look really. We won't get to see too much action this week, I can't imagine, but in that fourth preseason game next week against the New York Jets, we'll get a, a heavy dose of Byron Marshall. Next question here from at Jay Stillman, 1960. Is there value in trading Huff? Sproles. They seem to have four other running backs, two rookies, Barner, Matthews, and five other wide receivers, three clearly ahead. Now, I would str- I would be very, very surprised if they trade, especially Darren Sproles. Uh, I'm really excited about what he can be in this offense because you have uh, we talked about Frank Reich, Doug Peterson, uh, what they have done with players like Darren Sproles, and you can look at both of those offenses, whether it was uh, a player like Chuck Hendrick West and what they and Ben, you've seen this too on tape. What the Kansas City Chiefs were able to do with players out of the backfield, what Frank Reich did in San Diego with Danny Woodhead out of the backfield, Darren Sproles is going to be a really versatile player in this offense. We've seen it so far this preseason lined up in a number of different locations. And then Josh Huff, look, we're going to talk a little bit about Josh Huff in this episode. Huff is a really interesting piece in this offense. Now, is he the perfect receiver? No. Has he had a series of drops? Absolutely. And that's been his main issue. But I think with his versatility on the offensive side of the football, where he can line up and and where he can attack defenses, I think he brings a lot of value. So uh, I would be surprised if either was traded. I think both of these guys are going to be on the team. Yeah, I think if you look at where Frank Wright came from in San Diego and Doug Peterson in Kansas City, neither team really had a feature running back. Definitely a running back by committee. They'll bring a third down back in. It's a position that they're going to want depth, want versatility, and I don't think they see it as a crowded backfield if you have two or three viable options I think that depth is going to be needed and you know to see what Doug Peterson went through with the injuries of Jamal Charles in Kansas City it's a position you can never have uh, too many bodies at yep no question so I know we've got a few questions here about the receiving core let's get to the next one yeah at Eagles talk 17 how much playing time will DGB Doriel Green Beckham get and what does he bring to the offense all right so what he brings to the offense talked about this a little bit last week after the deal I think really what you're going to see, and the very first play we saw him this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers was in that contested catch situation down in the red zone, a little bit underthrown from Chase Daniel. I'm sure they'll work on that throughout the course of this week and then moving forward. But down in the, down in the red zone, you're going to see him be a factor. You're talking about a receiver that's almost 6'5", almost 240 pounds, can run 4'4". He averaged over 17 yards a catch, not in college, last year as a rookie with the Tennessee Titans. So he certainly brings a vertical element to your passing game. And just with his sheer size, he's going to win one-on-one matchups, especially at the catch point. Maybe he's not going to be a guy that's going to quickly separate in and out of breaks, but he's got the ability to win with length. I think he brings an added dimension to this receiving core. And when you have an offensive coaching staff that really does a good job of leveraging matchups, I think what they can do with DGB, they will find ways to get him the ball if he's on the 53-man roster. Yeah, you really get appreciation for how big he is when you see him in the, you know, the receiver practice and you know, how he compares to the other receivers on the team. 
especially guys like Jordan Matthews, Ruben Randall, who aren't small guys. And DGB, you know, seems to tower over everybody. Yeah, there's a reason why Jordan Matthews likes to call him LeBron. He's that kind of athlete in terms of uh, his physical stature. All right, great question here from at Hollywood CQ. Nelson Aguilar was a terrific kick returner at USC. Can the staff use him on kick return to get him more touches and potentially allow Huff to walk? Yeah, you know, so I th- well, first let's just talk. And I've already said I, th- I think Huff's going to be on the team. I think when you look at Nelson Aguilar, yeah, he, he definitely brings a return element, and he did that in college. I think it was more punt return, if I'm not mistaken, more so than kick return. Um, so you're talking about more taking Darren Sproles off the field. But you know, you've got so many different options in the return game, and he can certainly be a playmaker with the ball in his hands. But I would rather keep Huff back there, who's already been proven as a kick returner. And if he's going to be on the team and he's a starter, not just on returns, uh, Josh Huff, but he starts as a gunner on special teams. He plays on kickoff coverage as well. I think you keep Josh Huff. He's already going to be playing all those different special teams roles. Let him return kicks. Let Aguilar focus on winning football on the outside. And coming from at Eagles Troll the World, we already talked about Josh Huff, but has Chris Givens done enough to make the 53? So Givens, I think, was brought in, obviously, look, to, to be this spring a, a vertical element because you, you want some, wanted to see some added speed to this receiving core. I think it's going to be really interesting, man. I, I think you've got four or five guys really vying for the final, we'll say, two spots in that receiving core, whether it's two or three. And, and Doug Peterson said earlier this week, you know, he doesn't know how many receivers he's going to keep. Is he going to keep four? Is he going to keep five? Is he going to keep six? You're going to have guys like Reuben Randall, Chris Givens. I think Paul Turner has certainly uh, done what he can to try and force his way onto the roster. DGB, you already, we've already talked about a little bit. With those four guys, I think they're fighting for whoever's going to make, on that, make that team. I think Chris Givens is a guy that he brings that vertical element. That's what he brings is that speed to stretch defenses vertically. Next question here from Richard Colt. Has the DGB trade really brought down the wide receiver landscape and put it into disarray? I keep rooting for Huff and Aguilar. Turner looks to be a bright spot as well. Yeah, it's a good question. I think really what you're looking at with DGB is, and it's like I said earlier, he brings that added dimension. He brings something down in the red zone that, look, we've seen Jordan Matthews make plays down there, and he certainly can be that guy. But you, you mentioned it. He towers over Matthews DGB. He's a, he's a different kind of receiver from that respect. So I think he definitely adds a different dimension that you didn't already have. Now it's a matter of how else can you make him fit because DGB is not going to be a special teamer. And you're, now you're going to factor in, okay, well, if he's not going to play special teams, you want to keep make sure you have Josh Huff. He's going to play special teams for you. Or where are you getting special teams production in other areas of your roster? Do you have corners and safeties that are going to add in and play extra teams? It's going to be very, very interesting to see how the back end of this roster comes together because you have to factor special teams into the equation. All right, last question on the offensive side of the ball here. It sounds like they really want to know the landscape of the skilled players, who's going to come, who's going to go, who's going to make the team. At, at Optimus, could two, quote, name receivers be cut? like a Huff, like a Ruben Randall. You don't have to quote name names if you don't want to. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that you're going to see one of these guys is probably, and probably two of them are probably going to go. And I, I, I think Huff is going to be on the team. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how it all shakes out. I think when, you, when it all comes down to it, you've got Josh Huff, Nelson Aglor, and Jordan Matthews, who I think are, are three on the team. And then after that, you've got four or five players really vying for two or three slots. And really, I think special teams is going to play a factor. And we've mentioned the names. It's Chris Givens. It's Ruben Randall. It's uh, Paul Turner. And it's DGB. All these guys kind of fighting for, is it going to be two or three or only one spot on this 53-man roster? Not everybody's going to make it. So it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out by the end of next week. 
do fans have this kind of false assumption with free agents coming in the offseason that they're guaranteed to make the team because they were a free agent? Are they given any promise from the team to say, hey, we'll sign you and you're guaranteed to make the squad? I, I think that's when you start to look at Obviously, the kind of contract they, you know, that the guys were signed, but then also how they're being used in camp, and that's one of the big things I look at is, all right, well, look, Josh Huff, yeah, he he's had some issues. He's had, I think, he's had a drop in both games. He's always had issues with drops, but he's starting on all four special teams, and that to me shows value, uh, not just as a returner, but like I said, also in coverage. I think that he he's showing value there, whereas. Ruben Randall, he's not playing special teams yet, so he's got to stand out in other areas. DGB, not playing special teams, but what value does he bring? It's all about this time of year. It's about what you can bring to a 53-man roster and also to, to the game day roster, to the, to the 47 or 48-man roster that you're going to have available to you on game day. You have to be able to bring value, and that's really what it comes down to when the, the coaching staff and the front office are making these kinds of decisions. Great question here from at Jasper Hagan. Who are the primary pass rushers in sub-packages this season? So we've seen a lot of different looks from Jim Schwartz so far through two games, Ben. And it's, it's honestly, I've been a little surprised. We've seen a lot, a lot of variety. You've seen uh, different formations where you have Fletcher Cox lined up outside and some of the DNs lined up inside. Uh, we've seen players coming from different angles. And most often it's with still a four- or five-man rush. But very interesting to see that they've shown all these different looks. We'll see how the 53-man roster shakes out. But I think you're going to have a really good rotation on the edge. You know, you, you have those three players that I think they feel comfortable starting any of these three, Brandon Graham, Vinnie Curry, Connor Barwin. You're going to have a good rotation on the outside there. Now I'm going to be very interested to see of the remaining three, and this goes back to the receiver discussion. You've got Marcus Smith. You've got Stephen Means, who's had a great summer. And then you've got Brian Brayman, who we know has been a special team stalwart over the last couple of years. What value do those three players bring? And now you're starting to weigh your options in terms of who's going to make this team and who's not. The sub package, I think, will work itself out because Jim Schwartz, I think, is going to work on a heavy rotation up front. Another great question here from at P-Town-B. Reports from camp say defense is running a 3-3-5 scheme. Who would be on the field, and do you think we have a strong nickel look with Jenkins playing linebacker? Well, and this goes back to the, the, the different looks, and I'm not sure who did the reporting on that in terms of a three-three-five look. I'm sure there will be lots of different packages where you might only see three down linemen and, and you might see three linebackers. And if that's the case, look, I would imagine you're going to have your – uh, you're going to have your three base linebackers. And, and in terms of a three-man line, they could go with any number of a combination of guys because, remember, this is, team is coming from a 3-4 scheme. So you could see Vinnie Curry be one of those players, even though, you know, in theory, he's a 4-3 defensive end. It could be Brandon Graham. It could be Fletcher Cox lined up anywhere. You've got players that have all this versatility. So, I honestly, I wouldn't even venture to guess what that would look like. But – I can promise you that Jim Schwartz is, is really going to work on trying to keep offenses on their toes and keep them guessing from week to week. Next question here from Taylor. What is the go-to coverage from Jim Schwartz on any down? Seems like a two-man under with a wide nine front. Obviously changes for down and distance. You know, I, I think that's another area where they, he's shown a really good mix. We've seen a lot of uh, cover two in some points. We've seen a lot of man coverage I, I, in my article this week. A lot of their interceptions came on man-free where it was a single high look. So uh, a good mix, honestly, Ben, of single high and two high safety looks. You've seen a good amount of man, a good amount of zone. Obviously, you're going to have your combination coverages. And like you said in the, in the question, it's going to 
determined by be determined by down and distance and situation. It all comes down to situational football. So uh, I'm sure those trends will start to reveal themselves. But uh, you see a, definitely a good mix. I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, this is a single high operation or this is a two high operation. You know, there's going to be cover two. There's going to be two man coverage. There's going to be uh, cover three and man free. It's, it's a really good mix of what they're doing on the back end on this defense. This is a pretty popular question this offseason with the scheme change and the coaching change on the defensive side of the ball. But at DGB0711, in your opinion, is Jordan Hicks better suited to play inside or outside? Well, DGB, you may remember a couple of years ago, I was a huge, huge fan of Jordan Hicks and uh, coming out of, of, uh, out of Texas when he was coming out of college. And I thought he could play any linebacker spot in any defense. So I think, honestly, wherever the Eagles need him, he'll be ready to play. If they want to play weak side linebacker, he'll play weak. And if he's ready to play Mike, or if they need him to play Mike, he's ready to play Mike. So uh, I think he could play in any spot. So if they have injuries elsewhere and they need to shuffle some things around, or if somebody starts to take somebody else's job and they feel that person's a better fit, you know, whether it's at Sam or at Mike or at Will, I think Jordan Hicks can adapt to any role in this defense. He's an outstanding player. At real Mike Bradley, what's the middle linebacker rotation going to be like here? Schwartz seems to love Tolick, obviously has a history with him in Tennessee and Detroit, and Hicks could benefit from staying fresh. Yeah, and look, and there's something to be said for that. I do think that Hicks is a, is a three-down player in terms of uh, being able to play early in the in the down in terms of uh, rundowns and defending the run, but then also stick on the field and pass coverage. I'll be interested to see how they decide to approach it because, you know, Stephen Tulloch probably at this point in his career, Ben, and you can tell me if you disagree, is probably more of an early down guy, probably more of a rundowns player. Uh, you know, you've got Nigel Bradham, who they've played in nickel alongside Jordan Hicks with, without issues so far this preseason. Michael Kendricks, we know, is really athletic and can do some different things from a blitzing perspective, which is also very important on third down, not just coverage, but also getting after the quarterback. And if you can do some different things with uh, Michael Kendricks in that respect, that also brings value as well. So I think you'll see some different rotations. And just like we've talked about with some of the other things that Jim Schwartz is doing, I think you're going to see a wide variety of things that they're going to do to get after the quarterback and also defend the pass. And one last question here uh, at the linebacker position, more towards the back end of the roster and the young guys from at runner dad four, do Tavares and Gauss have a legitimate shot to make the roster or are they looking more like practice squad material? Well, I think with the the signing of Stephen Tulloch, I think that makes it obviously a little bit harder and a little bit harder to picture. You had Don Cherry as well from Villanova who was bought in and, and took a lot of the reps inside after Joe Walker went down with injury this past week. But I think, honestly, with all three, they need to show it within the next two weeks. They need to show that they can bring value on special. That's where they're going to make it is on special teams, the third phase of the game. They gotta, they're going to need to make plays in kickoff. They're going to need to come off and make plays in punt, uh, whether it's in punt return. Somewhere one of these guys is going to have to start making plays if they're going to make it onto the roster. Otherwise, look, they, they've all three have had solid camps. I think it's a matter of showing uh, that they can stick and, and pr- uh, provide value on a weekly basis on the practice squad if that's the case. Now shifting to the back end of the defense in the secondary, uh, Martinez wants to know, does Eric Rowe deserve to be a starter this year? Well, that's a tough one, man. I, I, look, I, I really like Eric Rowe coming out, coming out of Utah. I really liked him. I thought that he showed a lot of signs last year. And Jim Schwartz has said, said as much throughout the summer. He's still a young player. You know, He's only in his second year. He had only had a couple starts last year. So obviously he's still working th- through things, and it's in a new defensive scheme. 
He's got the he's got all the physical traits that you want. It's just a matter of winning that job. So uh, I'll be interested to say I think Nolan Carroll's had a strong camp. I thought he was the best corner on the roster last year before he got hurt. So Nolan Carroll, I think, uh, is really starting to assert himself as a starter on the outside. You have Leotis McKelvin, who's very familiar with what Jim Schwartz is, wants to do on the back end. I'll be interested. I think Rowe makes it, and I, now it's a question of how is he going to start? Where is he going to play on special teams as well? All right, here's a great question, Fran. Looks like they want answers. At T Bolt 10, who <laughs> okay. would you start at wide receiver and corner? Oh, and man. how do you see the depth behind those starters? All right, well, we've talked about wide receivers a lot, so we'll talk about the cornerback position. And uh, this thing, you guys know, I've been very, very excited to watch this whole battle in the secondary, whether it was corner, nickel, safety, a lot of young players, a lot of versatile players, and how it was all going to shake out. So, look, we've got Nolan Carroll. We've got Leotis McKelvin. uh, Ron Brooks, I think, has asserted himself as the starter in nickel on the inside. You have Eric Rowe. I think Aaron Grimes has really, really put enough on tape to fight to show that he can belong on this team in the 53, and I'll be really interested to see uh, whether or not he makes it or not. Because, look, you can go either way, obviously, especially if he's going to miss time. But you've got Jalen Watkins on the back end and Blake Countess on the back end. We haven't really seen Jalen Mills in the last week or so because the injury he suffered against Tampa Bay. Jalen Mills has had a great camp. I think really when it comes down to it, you might have five – I mean, you might have 10, 11 DBs in this roster when it's all said and done because there's so much competition on the back end, uh, and a lot of those guys have really shown through. So uh, really excited about this competition. And look, it's going to continue. We still have two more games and a couple more weeks full of practice before we get to week one. I'm excited about what the secondary looks like in terms of the young talent moving forward. All right, great stuff from everybody out there. A lot of great questions. Very happy to answer them all here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And great stuff from Ben. Again, you can follow Ben on Twitter just like I do at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I really appreciate everyone that promotes this podcast on social media. That's one way to support the show. But the other is to go on to iTunes, go on Stitcher, give us a rating, and leave us a comment. I want to give a shout-out to A. Saylor, who left a great comment on our iTunes page this week saying how much he loved the show. So thanks to A. Saylor and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. But let's keep this show going. I told you earlier that we would jump into the locker room to talk with Quinton Gauze to break down the, how to defend the stretch run play as a linebacker. Let's get to that conversation now in two technique. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for two technique. Here now with Eagles rookie linebacker Quentin Gauze. And Quentin, I want to talk to you about being a play side linebacker when the outside run is coming your way. What's going through your mind from snap to finish? Well, I just want to I, basically what I'm thinking about is before the play starts, where's my help? You know, where is if I got corner help or safety help, whatever. And then being able to beat the line, the lineman to the spot, and be able to get downhill. That's basically what goes through my mind. How hard is it to, you're trying to stay square to the line of scrimmage, you don't want to over-pursue. How, how are you able to keep aware of everything going on around you while doing a lot of those things? Well, the drills that um, Coach uh, you know, Pajol t- teaches us, you know, to get downhill and keep your body square while getting, you know, and you we're using your hands to get the lineman hands off you to be able to help you, like, stay square and be able to attack the ball carrier. Outstanding stuff there from Quinton. He did a great job breaking down how to defend the stretch run play. So I'm going to quickly break down how to subscribe to a podcast. And if you are listening to this on the Eagles app or on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and you like what you hear, 
It is so easy. All you have to do is go to your mobile device, whether it's your smartphone or your tablet. You find your local podcast app. All of those devices have them. And you just search Eagle Eye in the Sky. You hit subscribe. And now this show automatically downloads to your phone every week. And you can listen whenever and wherever you want. I listen when I'm mowing my lawn. I just bought a house. So I'm doing stuff out in the garden, out back. I'm going to Lowe's. I'm doing all these different things. Whatever you're doing, you can listen whenever and wherever you want. And you can just subscribe. While you're at it, you can subscribe to the Eagles Insider podcast, which just got started, uh, which just got started again with Chris McPherson and Alex Smith, which is awesome. I really have enjoyed listening to that podcast and the reboot of that show. The Eagles Live podcast with Dave Spadaro always has a ton of insight. And then, of course, you have the College Draft podcast with myself and Ross Tucker each week. There's a ton of great podcasts out there. You just have to know where to look. Enough about all that, though. Let's wrap this show up with Saturday Scouting. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report. All right, so this week on Scouting Report, I wanted to cover Josh Huff and because he's been a little bit of a hot-button player over the last few weeks, and you can kind of tell from some of the questions we got for the podcast this week. You know, look, I, I like Josh and everything that he's done. Obviously, look, he, he's got some things to work through. Drops have been the, the main issue for him during his time here in Philadelphia. So I thought, you know what, let's go back. Let's see the notes on him coming out of Oregon a few years ago. And he was 5'11 and a quarter, 206 pounds. He lined up all over the formation for Oregon. And I want you to remember this, lined up everywhere. He saw most of his reps lined up in the slot, but he also lined up out wide and in the backfield where he took carries as a running back. He's an angular receiver. He's got long arms. He's got the body of a track athlete, really athletic quick, really athletic kid. And his quickness is very apparent when you watch him on tape. Good athlete. He can separate in a short area. He's got burst. He's got the speed to stretch defenses vertically. He didn't run a full route tree at Oregon, but he did show some savvy at the top of his routes to gain separation from defenders, and he flashed the ability to explode in and out of breaks. Now, he was at his best with the ball in his hands, and he can be a valuable yards-after-catch guy. Also had plenty of kick return experience during his time in college and has the ability to be a quality special teamer. Now, at Oregon, drops, and this is a familiar theme, drops were his main issue. He's a hands catcher, which means he doesn't let the ball into his frame, but he let more than a few balls hit the ground on tape when I watched him with the Ducks. That obviously his transition here to Philadelphia has been an issue for him during his time here with the Eagles. But I, I wrote back then, he'll probably never be a starter on the outside, but he should find a role as a third or fourth receiver, especially given his special teams value. Drops were an issue, but athletically, he has what it takes to stick in the NFL. I think Josh Huff, is, when you look at this offensive scheme and the way that Doug Peterson and Frank Reich have coached over the last few years, they have done such a great job of leveraging players to their maximum of their skill set. So if you've got a player like Josh Huff and he excels at lining up in a number of different places and being used in a number of different ways, they're going to do that. They're going to put him in position to make plays. So I think you're going to see Josh Huff, you know, whether it's orbit motion in the backfield to be a decoy, whether it's stretching teams deep, whether it's winning on vertical routes, whether it's in the screen game or on drive routes, I think you're going to see Josh Huff be put in a position to make plays for this offense. Now, he's got to hold up his end of the bargain. He's got to finish at the catch point. He's got to hold on to the football both at the catch point as a receiver, but then also when he's got the ball in his hands, fumbles have been an issue for him during his time here in Philadelphia as well. But I'm excited to be what he what, excited to see what he can be in this offense because all of that, the versatility, the special teams value I mentioned earlier, he's uh, starting on all four special teams units right now. I think all of that goes a long way in terms of his ultimate value on this football team. So thanks again to Ben Fennell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, 
iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify. We're, we're everywhere. So everywhere you can listen to a podcast, we're there. And if you're listening to it, thank you very much. And, again, if you get the time, you rate the show. You leave us a comment. It's the best way to support the show. I'm happy to hear from everybody out there. All that being said, I think that will do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For my producer, Melissa Kelly, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.